Hey there, future fans. It is a new week and we have 16 new movies coming out. Most of them are limited releases. There's one re-release, just like last week, and a couple wide releases. So couple that with the news and trailer trope, it's going to be a long one, so buckle in. It's the week of September 1st, 2017, and this is Future Flicks with Billion. everyone welcome to the show you know the drill but just in case you don't know the drill let me tell you the drill and also see how many times i can say drill this is future flex and on future flex i go over every movie that's coming out during the week that goes for indie films limited releases foreign films the big blockbusters sometimes straight to streaming i will talk about them all i will give those films a rating this score can go from zero for the really bad ones to 11 for the really good ones i call this the billiams interest level score or the bill score but before we jump into the show let's get some housekeeping out of the way well, how do you listen to this show well you're already doing something right so whatever that is good job for doing it you can also listen to me on the somewhat nerdy website that's somewhat nerdy.com you can find me on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play youtube and tumblr youtube and tumblr will start being updated a little later but i will get back on it and if you want to reach me you can hit me up on twitter or instagram billiam swn or email me at billiamreviews at gmail.com now this is one i want to remind everyone that next week is going to be a little different the episode is going to be shorter it's going to be more off the cuff i'm probably going to skip the news and trailer trove unless a really big trailer drops or unless there's some really big news it's just going to be the movies it's going to be a shorter episode even if there are a lot of limited releases that's because i didn't want to straight up skip an episode but i have something really important i want to do next week or that requires a lot of my attention and so i am going to just do a straight movie episode so just be warned next week a little different but with that let's jump into the first segment which as always is the news. Some of you may remember that last week I talked about the outrage from some people, mainly social justice warriors, but a lot of people who had an actual reason to be outraged, about the Hellboy reboot casting Ed Scrine, who was a gentleman who played Francis in Deadpool. He was cast as the bad guy, and the bad guy was supposed to be Asian. So there's a lot of backlash and he has stepped down saying that he's basically going to respect the wishes of the people and step down from this role so someone more appropriate could be cast. Now, I would normally be 100% behind that decision. I still want to know what the director and producers, although all, all of their visions were for this, because if they went some direction like they did with Doctor Strange, where they just mixed all the races and genders up, then that would be fine with me. If they just changed this character from Asian to white, then I'd have a little bit more of a problem. But unfortunately, we will never know because he has stepped down and, you know, good for him. Good for him for doing that. In other news, this from Variety, apparently there's going to be a movie about the Westboro Baptist Church. This is 
based on the true life story of Megan Phelps Roper, who is a former member of the hate group church. And it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what it's like, or according to her words, and of course the movie is going to change stuff around, their, and their vision, what it's like inside of that god-awful place. And I'm glad that this movie, it's going to have sort of a political tone, even though it's about a church. Let's face it, they there's nothing churchy about them. And yes, if churchy is not a word, I just made that up. And I like how that's something that Republicans and Democrats and Independents and Green Party, everyone can agree on that those people are human garbage. So in other interesting news, this from Hollywood Reporter, if you remember a while back, I talked about a lawsuit that was being brought up against the Warner Brothers for the Conjuring series. Well, this is actually going ahead. A judge has ruled that this can go forward and has denied a motion to dismiss. Now, if you don't remember, this lawsuit comes from Gerald Brittle, who published a book that I read called The Demonologist. It wasn't just, it wasn't really well written per se. It was just him telling the stories that were told to him. So interesting stories. It didn't take a lot of skill to write this, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's just my thoughts on the book. But the thing is, is that he had an agreement with the Warrens that he got exclusive rights to anything about their stories. So all of the Conjuring movies so far are based off stories mentioned in this book. So the Warrens had signed over the rights to their own story. So when they gave Warner Brothers the permission to do it, it wasn't their permission to give, which sounds pretty sh**, but they did make this deal. So now it's kind of on them. According to Hollywood Reporter, another story from them, the movie It is causing legitimate clowns to lose work. Not much more to that story besides the fact that clowns are creepy. Cinema Blend has a story about the Bumblebee movie. No, not a movie about actual bees. A movie about the silent Transformer from the Transformers series. Yes, that's right. If you haven't heard, the movie version of Staph Infection is getting a spinoff. According to The Guardian, a theater in Memphis is no longer going to play Gone with the Wind, which they have done for the past 34 years because some people are and can't handle the fact that the movie is racially insensitive. All right, if this was a new movie, I, I might understand that. But also, shut the f*** up. If, don't watch the f***ing movie if you don't want, if you're bothered by it. And finally in the news, according to Slash Film, Shazam will cast two actors in its lead role. Why is this news? The only reason I brought it up is because of how f***ing stupid the story is. There are two groups of people when it comes to this. There are people who are looking forward to Shazam, who know Shazam, thus know that Shazam will need two people to play him, and then the people who don't give a flying f This was just clickbait. I didn't even click on the full article, because I didn't want to give them a view, or a click, or a visit, or whatever the f you give these people when you go to their website. So that is it for the news. I actually only have one trailer to talk about in the trove, so I'm not going to bother with the intro music this time around. Again, and... As always, if I miss something, please let me know. But this was the only one that caught my eye this week. And that movie is called Last Flag Flying, starring Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. It looks really good. This is going to be one part buddy movie with just a hint of comedy. It's mainly going to be a drama about this guy whose son dies. And then he gets two of his old war buddies together and they make a trip to go to pick up the body and then take it to the funeral. So the movie looks good. It looks like it has some fantastic acting in it and it looks heavy as all sh**. So that's the only trailer that I noticed this week. And, you know, let's jump right into the movies. And also, if you remember from last week, since some of these are limited releases, I'm not going to talk at length about them anymore. I want to give you the basics and a couple thoughts 
And remember, if you do not like this change, if you liked me going on rants about these, then please let me know. Tell me, hey, Billiam, I like it when you ramble on and on about movies you hate or movies you love. But until then, let's jump on with the show. And there are actually four movies I'm just going to mention briefly because they're not worth a rating because most of them get zeros. And also that they are either straight to DVD or straight to video on demand. The first one is called The Layover. It stars Alexandra Daddario and Kate Upton. It's about two friends who are going on a road trip with this guy. They both kind of like him, and so they fight for his affection. Basic movie. It actually came out on the internet to stream early August, but now it's getting a limited theatrical release. Skip it. It looks terrible. The next movie I'm going to briefly talk about is one called Stasis. This doesn't star anyone famous in it. It doesn't have anyone interesting in it. And while you know, yes, that doesn't mean much on its own, but if you watch a trailer, this looks like a Skinamax movie just without the sex. If you gave me the choice to watch Lord of the G-Strings, and yes, that is the name of a Skinamax movie, or this, or Stasis, and you took all the sex out of Lord of the G-Strings, I would gladly watch that, because I think it would be better quality. The third pre-game movie we have to talk about is Bring It On, Worldwide, hashtag Cheersmack. Yes, that's a whole title. This is a straight-to-DVD movie. It's the sixth or seventh movie in the Bring It On series. This looks like just a really bad movie with mediocre to good dancing and choreography in it this is this movies like this are basically just an excuse to put dance crews on film that that's really all it is at this point it may be fun if you're a fan of the series sure check it out because you have some investment in it but for people like me who watched the first one went hey that's cool and didn't watch the others skip it like it's the plague. And the final movie to talk about before we jump into everything official is a film called Love, Sonia. And the reason that I am not giving this a full spiel is because I couldn't find a trailer for this. That's right. My Google Foo failed me. So IMDb doesn't have a trailer. And when I, when I looked on YouTube for the trailer, anything I found was either a fake trailer where it says, hey, click this link to watch a trailer for this movie, or it claimed to be the whole movie but said, hey, follow this link and sign up and watch this movie for free. The trailer wasn't anywhere. And never before have I seen a movie that I couldn't find a trailer for. That's not really something companies want taken off the internet just because it helps build hype. So I have no idea what the movie's about. All I know is that it stars Demi Moore and Mark Duplass. And the premise that IMDb gives, and remember IMDb is sometimes wrong, it says it's inspired by the real-life events. Love, Sonia is the story of a young girl's journey to rescue her sister from the dangerous world of international sex trafficking. Yes, this is the uplifting movie of the year. Take your kids to see it. No, don't. No, please don't. <laughs> I'm not going to give this one a rating either, just because I, I don't know anything about it besides that. I have no idea what it looks like, so I'm going to leave this here. But instead, I'm going to jump into the movies that matter. But before I do that, let's hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. 
the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds in a Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. All right, and we are back, and the first official movie of episode 56, that's right, I forgot to say what episode this is, so here it is, episode 56, is a movie called I Do Until I Don't. This movie is about a documentary maker who follows three couples in various stages of their relationships, and this filmmaker has the idea that marriage should be a seven-year contract with an option to renew. This stars Lake Bell from Children's Hospital, Ed Helms from The Hangover, Mary Steenburgen from Step Brothers, Paul Reiser from Aliens, Amber Heard from Zombieland, and Wyatt Senak from People of Earth. And welcome everyone to the first ensemble comedy in a while that I have absolutely no interest in seeing. It it feels like the writer and director Lake Bell and you know star Lake Bell took what should have been a really good idea for a good comedy and turned it into indie bull. The whole film looks awkward and not just in the style of comedy. The whole film seems awkward in that like certain scenes seem to run long in the trailer even in the trailer i got this feeling and all the characters and their the delivery of their lines and everything about it just felt weird like there was something off and i don't know if that's just lake bell's style of comedy because i'm not too familiar with her but it's really putting me off and i don't want to see this movie at all and i truly believe if most of you watch a trailer, it won't interest you in the slightest. And that's sad because sometimes the indie world has hidden gem comedies that are really good movies. This one doesn't look like it's one of those. And another thing that makes me sad is that Paul Reiser's in it, an actor I really used to like who has fallen into obscurity. Mary Steenburgen, also a really great actress, but now they're doing this. And I think each individual person may be good together with this script, with the director, with the producer, with everything, I think everything came together in just the wrong way that they created this film that looks like garbage. If you want a comedy to watch, there have been better movies that have come, been coming out in the past few weeks and even more coming out in the coming weeks. This film looks highly skippable. If you really, really have a need to watch an indie comedy for some weird reason watch dave made a maze watch that one that one looks good this one looks like it gets a two out of 11. the next movie on the list this week is a horror movie called jackal a family is staying in a cabin in the woods when they notice a group of people standing outside wearing masks people outside cut the people in the cabin off from any outside contact and slowly start to come in. This movie stars Deborah Kara Unger from Silent Hill and Steven Dorff from Blade. This film looks like The Strangers 
and Last House on the Left had a really weird looking child. But here's the thing about the plot, is that that's a plot that I gathered from watching the trailer. But according to IMDb, it's about a estranged family that hires a cult deprogrammer to take back their teenage son from a murderous cult, but find themselves under siege when the cultists surround their cabin demanding the boy back. And I quote from from IMDb. I, I kind of see that in the trailer just because there's this randomly the scene where there's this guy tied down and it's implied that he's one of the people that are attacking them. So that could be the son. And I feel that if I watch this movie, it'll be one of those movies that just makes me angry just because the premise is was so easy to avoid. Like, hey, you want to save your child from a cult. That's great. So you put yourself in the middle of nowhere with only one way to contact the outside world only a landline telephone and then they come for you cut off all contact and now you're in danger it is your own goddamn fault and you deserve all the death that comes to you and here's an interesting fact the director is kevin grutert i don't know how you say that but this guy was an editor on the strangers the movie i just mentioned and was a director and editor on some of the Saw movies. He was a director of Saw 6 and an editor on actually all of the Saw films and is also going to be an editor on the Jigsaw reboot. But that's enough about talking about other movies. Let's talk about this film. And this film looks like it had a lot of promise. If you are a really big horror fan, then check this out. You may enjoy it. It may be your thing. But for those of us who just enjoy horror, who aren't super into it, but like the occasional movie, this looks like it's going to be a disappointing movie, a movie that's too basic for us to truly appreciate, whereas someone who's more versed in the genre may be able to see all the little intricacies that set it apart. I like these type of movies normally, where we have these mask-wearing psychopaths trying to start some shit, but this trailer just looks really bad. And the sad thing is, it stars Deborah Kara Unger, an, an actress who I, I truly believe has plastic surgeried her face so much that she can no longer use facial expressions. So when you're watching this movie, is she sad? Is she scared? Is she angry? I don't know. And I really hate to see that happen to people because it really is a shame because because a good portion of the time they probably didn't need the surgery to begin with. And now it backfires and they look like Rocky from Mask. So let's wrap this up with the basics. Jackals looks like a run-of-the-mill horror movie that maybe a fan may like, but for the rest of us, it's skippable. Jackals gets a 3 out of 11. And my future friends, the next movie on the list is another horror movie, which makes me wonder, what the f*** are these people thinking? This is not the time for these movies, and they may get more viewings if they even put this, hell, in later September to pump people up for the season, but th 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 right now is not the time for these. Drew, that last movie and this one weren't going to make a lot of money anyway, but they could have made just a little more if they just put a little more thought about when it was coming out. The next movie is called Temple. Three American tourists follow a mysterious map deep into the jungles of Japan, searching for an ancient temple. When spirits entrap them, their adventure quickly becomes a horrific nightmare. There's no one of note acting in this movie, but the writer is a writer that some horror fans may know. If you've seen movies like Your Next, the Guest, Blair Witch, or VHS, then you will know the writer for this film. Though I do have to say, this one looks different from the others that I've just mentioned. You know, this one kind of looks like it's going for a horror that has a hint 
of those Japanese style horrors where, you know, the creepy children and stuff, but it's not going to be as stylized as those. And what I like about the look of this movie is that it tells us a very important life lesson. If a old blind Asian dude tells you not to go to some creepy ass temple, don't go to the temple. That should be on everyone's list of rules for life. Old ass blind Asian dude, you listen to him when he's telling you what not to do. Or her, we don't know. Old Asian people, you trust them when they say, hey, don't do this because they're ghosts. You're like, all right, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to get my ass haunted by demonic children. But now we come to the problem that a lot of horror movies have, and it's the time of their release. So the argument has been made to me that, yes, while October would be the ideal time, there are two much bigger horror movies coming out in that month. So maybe around Halloween isn't the best time to release it. So yes, there is that point. But in looking in the future, looking at the week of October 6th, we have films like Blade Runner and My Little Pony. Woo, look at those big offerings in the horror department. This is when these should come out. Because sure, you're going up against Blade Runner. You're going to get destroyed. But I don't think these last two movies had a chance to rule the weekend at all. These should have been saved for a time when people are more in the horror mood. So horror fans, though, will always go see it. Anne and I just went and saw Annabelle Creation. It was good. I still appreciated it, even though it wasn't October. But there's something special about movies like this coming out during the season. So will this movie be good? Will Temple be good? As far as a horror movie goes, I think it's going to be mediocre too good. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be terrible. It's a twist on a familiar idea. We've seen things like this before, but it's put together and wrapped up differently from things that have come before it. So if you are a big horror fan and this week you really want to see something, I believe this is the movie you should go see. Otherwise, put this movie on your list and that is right. Put it on a Halloween movie marathon because I don't think you'd be disappointed. This is going to be a good movie. It's written by a reliable writer and this is directed by a first-time director, but here's the interesting thing. The first-time director could be the writer's brother so maybe the writer can or i mean could have had more say in what the film became i talked a little more about this than i planned on uh, this movie again doesn't have anyone big in it so no names to mention i only mentioned the writer because you may have seen some of his movies i know i have but this is a historical horror kind of i mean that's how imdb wants to classify it but it's it's more of a horror with just a little a touch of history like a little uh, like in the olives you put in martini that's the history the martini is the horror temple looks interesting it's something to keep on your list but if you want to see a movie in theaters this week well we'll talk about that temple gets a 6.5 out of 11 so ladies and gentlemen, this movie is going to round off this group of three. And why is it a group of three? What could the theme possibly be? Well, that theme is horror movies because we have one more and that movie is called The Vault. A group of criminals go to rob a bank, but find that The Vault houses more than they could have ever suspected. This movie stars James Franco from 127 Hours, Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black, Scott Hayes from Midnight Special, Clifton Collins Jr. from Westworld, and Francesca Eastwood, daughter of Clint Eastwood. So here we have another movie that seems like an amalgamation of ideas that have previously happened before. So we have a group of people going to commit a crime, and there's more to the crime than they had thought going in. And we have a horror movie involving ghosts. These are two two ideas that I never thought I would see put together. And you know what? It, it 
doesn't jump out and say, hey, watch me right away, but it also doesn't make me want to brush it off. This does look like a low-budget, skippable movie, ultimately skippable, but something that's not going to be bad. Do you remember the movie Deep Rising? This kind of feels like that. This kind of feels like Deep Rising or Ghost Ship where they weren't great movies at all, but they were enjoyable, they were stupid, they were silly, and this movie looks like it's going to be that. It looks like it takes itself seriously, which could add to a comedic aspect to it, but at the same time, this is going to be a crime horror movie, something that I don't know how many times that's been done. The two movies I mentioned, Deep Rising and Ghost Ship, were, were kind of crime horrors. But this isn't the type of movie that you see a trailer for and go, oh man, this has been done so many times, can't Hollywood come up with anything new? Okay, well they kind of did. It doesn't look great, but here it is. And if this week proves anything with this plethora of movies it comes out, is that Hollywood really does have a lot of new ideas. It's just the ones that get heavily pushed are going to be the sequels and reboots. That is what we saw a lot of during blockbuster season. Now is when all of the interesting or unique movies are coming out. In the end, The Vault is just going to be a, you know, a standard horror, even though I just talked about how kind of new it is, it's still going to be your standard horror. There's not going to be something really special about it. It's cheesy, it's low budget, and it doesn't even look like it's particularly well shot or well acted. The only reason to see this is if you are a, again, if you are a horror fan, then you could put this on your list. If you are not, then skip this entirely. Then actually skip the last three movies entirely if you are not a fan of horror. Even though I kind of like the look of The Temple. And I kind of like the look of this one too. But once again, oh my god, how many times am I going to say this this episode? This is a marathon movie. This is something you put on when you're going to watch a sh ton of movies all day. You're going to have pizza. You're going to have buffalo wings. You're going to have beer, mixed drinks. You're going to have yourself a whole bunch of Larry's. You are going to have friends over. So maybe you're not paying attention all the time. Maybe you're also playing board games. This is the perfect movie for that. So you, cause you can tune in and out and maybe you haven't really missed much. The vault looks ultimately skippable. So that's why I'm giving it a four out of 11. So this may not end up being the halfway mark right now, but I'm going to take the final break right now just because I have another group of three movies that all have a similar theme, and then we have the final movies of the week. So now is the best time. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at Watch Your Mouth and Uncork Gamers. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, -wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. Tunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncourt Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, 
We don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s. Parenting. And the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions, just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. All right, everyone, welcome back. So the next three movies, I told you these are all in the same category, and these are foreign films. So we're going to start the three foreign films of the week off with a movie called The Teacher. In 1983, Bratislava, a new teacher arrives at a school. It just so happens that this teacher is the head of the Communist Party, and she will try and use the students to get their parents to do favors for her. Those who don't follow along fail her class, no matter how smart they are. So this is based off a true story, and IMDb says this is a comedy drama, but not much was funny about the trailer, so I'm wondering if this is going to be a tongue-in-cheek drama or at least an artsy drama that just is a little weird and claims it's comedy. But this is an interesting premise. True or not, the premise is interesting about this teacher who threatens the parents to do things for her, and if they don't, their children will fail. And she's also untouchable as the head of the Communist Party. This movie is from Czechoslovakia, and yes, that is no longer an actual place. So this is from a movie from both the Czech Republic and Slovakia, the two countries that came out of the, well, whatever the hell it was that caused Czechoslovakia to no longer be a place. So this is a foreign flick, and what does that mean? We know what it means, but let me just say it again in case we have someone new. So this is going to be a super limited release. You're going to see it if you live in an area of America that has people from the Czech Republic or Slovakia in it. Also, you may see it if you're like me and live in an area full of dirty hipsters and thus have a bunch of indie cinemas near you. Then you may see this as well. But I'm already talking about seeing this, and I haven't even told you much about what I think of it. So let's get into that. I don't don't like this movie very much just because it felt awkward. The presentation felt awkward. The whole trailer made me feel awkward. This could be a good movie that is just presented to us through the trailer incorrectly, but I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those movies that is just really weird and any attempts at comedy just come over as cringeworthy. Sure, the story sounds interesting. This sounds like an interesting idea, but the presentation, the way it's wrapped up and sent to us, I don't really care. The trailer tried to compare this to 12 Angry Men, and I don't think that's a good comparison because 12 Angry Men was good. I can see where the trailer was going with it. I, I can see how these movies are similar, but the presentation is what really kills it. The film feels sloppy, like it doesn't even know what it is. Are the kids the main characters? Are their parents the main characters? Or is the teacher the main character and all of these other forces are working against her? And also we're not supposed to like her because she's obviously evil. Or is this one hour and 42 minute movie going to try to equally tell all of these stories and thus not do any of them much justice? That's what I feel is another risk with seeing this movie. So as you can guess, here's my score. The teacher gets a three out of 11. So what do you think about these faster spiels that I'm not spending as much time on them? Is it still okay with you? Take a little time to mull it over, chew it over. What do you think? Tell me. Get back to me. So let's get on with the show with the next foreign movie. This movie is called Do It Like an Hombre. Raul, Eduardo, and Santiago have led a happy and straight life since their childhood until one day Santiago confesses to them that he's gay. 
This movie comes from Mexico, and we actually don't talk about Mexico on this show a lot because, let's be honest, not a lot of their movies come over this way. Normally, when we talk about foreign films, it's going to be France, it's going to be India, or it's going to be an Asian country. But since I've started the show, I haven't been impressed with the movies that have come from Mexico that have made it on my radar. And this one, this one really doesn't impress me because this looks really, really bad. I'm not even going to talk about the homophobic undertones. I'm not even going to talk about that. Let's keep this only about the movie. And even then, I can't find anything good to say about this. It looks like full of really bad one-liners, and it all feels really forced. This movie is going to be more awkward than funny, and not even awkward in a possibly enjoyable way, like a Steve Carell movie. No, this looks like it's going to be awkward because it's just terrible. This movie's doing really well in Mexico, apparently. It's selling out, and... I don't see why. It could be the cultural difference. I'm a white dude. Even though I grew up in a heavily Mexican community, I just don't get it. But again, if this movie is your type of thing, then you're not going to listen to my review anyway. This review is for everyone else. And for everyone else, forget this movie even exists. This looks horrible. This looks so bad that if I got to watch the next Star Wars movie early, if I watched this first, I would pass. I would pass. I go, no, I will watch Star Wars when it comes out. Do it like an hombre. Gets a zero out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, we have the final foreign film of this episode. And that movie is called Viceroy's House. Set during the British withdrawal from India, this movie follows the final viceroy of India, Lord Montbatten, who is tasked with overseeing the transition from British rule to Indian independence. This movie stars Gillian Anderson from The X-Files, Michael Gambon from Harry Potter, and Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey. So this movie is a historical biographical drama. Most of this stuff really happened. The question now is how accurate is the movie? But guess what? That is a question for someone else because I'm here to talk about the movie. So while this movie claims it's about the time of Indian independence, it's really about the Viceroy and how he handled stuff and how his wife handled stuff. There's true, you see the effect on India a lot and how it had to break up between India and Pakistan. And there's a lot of political intrigue between, like, the Viceroy and the people who put him in charge. Like, what was their master plan? Did they want this chaos going on? How hard did they try to keep India as one country? Gandhi's in this movie. What was his role? So if you're familiar with history, you may know a lot about this. And so you may look at this movie differently. Maybe you watch this trailer and were immediately for or against it based on your monumental knowledge of world history. But for the rest of us, we are not going to judge this movie as a history lesson. We're going to judge this as a film. And this looks like a feel-good, triumphant drama. And not feel-good as in a comedy movie, but feel-good as in you, you see people trying really hard to avert crisis, you people trying, trying to work together. And even though it doesn't end the best. I mean, this split in the country caused a lot of grief for millions of people, but it's also going to be feel good as in triumphant as in this viceroy. This dude tried his best and he has a 
heart of pure gold. So does his wife. They are trying to do the best they can. So it's also kind of cheesy in that fact as it puts them on this pedestal. And do they deserve to be on that pedestal? I don't know. But what I can say is that this film looks well written, well shot, and well acted. I'm familiar with the three main actors I mentioned in it, and it looks like they do a great job as they normally do. I am not, however, familiar with the Indian actors in it, which is why I didn't mention them. But it does look like they know what they're doing. And this movie isn't going to be some behind-closed-doors political movie. You are going to see big scenes in India with people moving when the country splits, of people in poverty, of people in pain, of people fighting. You're going to see the effects of this, and maybe not on as grand of a scale as possible for a movie, but you're going to see enough to satiate you that, yes, this movie at least tried. But since we're on the topic of trying, should you try and see this movie in a theater? The answer, I'm afraid, is no. This is the type of movie that you remember. If it interests you at all, that you remember. And then if you see it one day, you check it out. It's like the earlier this year, we had two movies about the Ottoman Empire and when it fell. Those are movies that I didn't go out of my way to see. I don't think any of you went out of your way to see. But if we had a chance to see them, I would recommend we do it just because they looked interesting. This is the same way. This looks like a good movie, but not good enough that if you miss it, you're really missing out. The Viceroy's House looks like a solid movie and it gets a 6 out of 11. Alright folks, that is it for the foreign films coming out this week. We have about five movies left. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we have five movies left. One of them is a re-release, but this next movie is the only documentary of the week, and that film is called Dolores. Dolores Huerta, along with Cesar Chavez, started the country's first farm workers union. This movie is about the struggle she went through to form the union and all of the trouble she got from not only white America, but from her own people as well. So if any of you don't know, Cesar Chavez is a big deal in California. Like, a lot of stuff is named after him. But the thing that always bothers me about it is the fact that people so often ignore everyone else who worked for farm workers' rights. Finally, we have a documentary coming out about uh, one of these people, one of these woefully ignored people. This movie is going to show the really, really dark side of America, and in particular, parts of California's treatment of migrant workers. I grew up in Watsonville, California, a really big agricultural city, and I know a lot about this stuff. I heard stories from people who were farm workers back during these times, and I heard terrible stories from them about working conditions that weren't even fit for animals. So when these people stood up, when Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta stood up and rallied people together and they formed a union, they started to get done. It was a big deal. But as time goes on, the only people, or the only person that is, that people tend to remember is Cesar Chavez. Like for years, when while I was growing up, whenever something new was built, whenever there was a new street paved, whenever there was a new school going up or a new library or anything, there was a huge, always a huge demonstration saying, name this after Cesar Chavez, name everything after him, name the whole f***ing city after him. And it always bothered me. I, I had nothing personal against Cesar Chavez. I didn't hate the guy. But it always bothered me because what about all the other people involved and now... I am finally going to learn about one of their stories. But this is a super 
specific documentary to be released. And by maybe not specific the best word, but this movie is only going to be watched by a super small group of people. So not only do we have to take into account this is going to be watched by people who know about Cesar Chavez or Dolores Huerta, but people who are going to be motivated enough to actually go out and see this film or to try and find this film streaming or buy it. And you all know how I feel about documentaries. You either like the topic enough to go see it or put it on your list for later, or you're going to skip it entirely. And I feel for a lot of us, this is going to be a skip entirely movie. Maybe one day I will watch this because this does this does look like a well put together documentary. This doesn't look like some stupid hipster got a camera and decided to try and record something. This looks like a well put together, a well funded documentary. If you do see this, if this is something that interests you, just remember that this is something that's going to make you angry. Even though things are far better than they were, just watching this, the footage of and listening to the accounts of how bad things used to be is just going to be rage-inducing. But for everyone else, skip this movie and watch something else. Dolores gets a 6 out of 11. Alright everyone, we have four movies left. And the next movie up, I was torn about. I wanted to put it higher on the list, maybe even recommend it more, but I couldn't. And let me tell you why. The next movie is called Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. Doug Glatt is plagued by injuries and must consider retiring after an injury that leaves him unable to punch with his right hand. At the same time, a new, tough player shows up on the scene and challenges Doug's status as the top enforcer in hockey. This stars Sean William Scott from the first Goon movie, Allison Pill from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Liev Schreiber from Spotlight, T.J. Miller from Deadpool, Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy, Jay Burchell from This is the End, Wyatt Russell from 22 Jump Street, and Alicia Cuthbert from 24. So if you haven't seen it, the first Goon movie is a, a film that came out back in 2011, and a lot of us missed it. I, I missed it entirely until it came out on video. And even then, when I saw it, I was like, okay, I Sean William Scott, who is he anymore? I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. This movie doesn't interest me, and I skipped it. And it wasn't until later that I heard a lot of people talking about the movie and how fun it was. Was it a good movie by any stretch of the term? No, not at all. It was just stupid fun. Well, that movie finally has a sequel six years later, and it looks just like a lot of the same, except this one kind of has a rocky feeling to it where we have Doug unable to punch now, so how is he going to beat up people when he's playing hockey? He can't play hockey and not beat up people, am I right? Well, he's been unable to use his right hand after an injury, now he has to train to use his left, and that's kind of what the movie is about. He has to train so he can go back onto the ice and beat the shit out of this new guy and take his place as the top enforcer. Now, I do have one warning for you that I probably should have mentioned a little earlier, but I'll just leave it here. If you want to see this, don't watch the trailer because I have a really big feeling that the trailer is going to spoil the ending. I don't think the ending is going to be very surprising. In fact, a lot of us could probably guess it, but still, why spoil it for yourself? So I was going to put this higher up on the list of this week's episode, but it occurred to me that this movie is best saved for just watching at home one day. I would much rather watch movies like this from the comfort of my own home than I would in the theaters. I, I just enjoy it more that way. Because these films don't have to be seen on the big screen. There's nothing about this that benefits from a big screen showing. If you're a huge fan of the first one, then yeah, sure, go see this in the theater. But if not, 
you should wait for this to come out on DVD or streaming. This does look like it's going to be not as good as the first one. This is suffer from middle movie syndrome. And is this movie going to have a sequel? So is there going to be three, thus middle movie? I don't know, but this film just feels like it is the second film in the trilogy and thus suffers from that meh feeling. If you liked the first Goon movie, then check this one out, but don't watch it in theaters unless this is really your jam, unless you just loved the first movie. This film is going to be more of the same. It's going to have a lot of the return actors, just no Eugene Levy, uh, and a couple other people didn't return. But just be prepared to watch a, a standard sports comedy. Goon, Last of the Enforcers, gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright folks, we have three movies left to talk about. And I was really torn about my pick this week. And it took a lot of thinking on my part. It really did, because this wasn't an easy week. So I'll tell you what my pick isn't. And the next movie on the list is called Unlocked. A CIA interrogator is lured into a ruse that puts London at risk of a biological attack. This stars Numi Rapace from Prometheus, Orlando Bloom from Lord of the Rings, Tony Collette from Little Miss Sunshine, Michael Douglas from Ant-Man, and John Malkovich from being John Malkovich. I really don't know what it is about 2017 that more than ever before, I've seen on movies with ensemble casts that I really don't feel the need to see it. This is an espionage, drama, mystery, action film, and it, it looks like something that should jive with me. It looks like something that I should want to see, but I'm going to tell you right now, I, it doesn't. It doesn't hit me on that special level. There's a lot of fighting in it from both Numira Pace and Orlando Bloom, and it's all this Jason Bourne, John Wick-style fighting, very short blows, very brutal, no karate or kung fu or anything like that. Uh, and the plot is very basic, and normally for movies like this, this isn't a bad thing, because you watch movies like this to watch a interesting spy movie or an interesting action movie. You don't go to movies like this for a unique plot, but a unique plot would have helped me put this higher on my list. But when all is said and done, we have this film that shows us with Numi Rapace in an action role, more so than Prometheus, which, okay, let's be honest, wasn't very action-packed, and Orlando Bloom in a role that, yeah, he's done a lot of action movies, but I've never really seen him in a film like this before, with this kind of fighting, this sort of action. And then we have the others, we have Tony Collette, we have John Malkovich and Michael Douglas doing their espionage spy thing, except there seemed to be this scene with Tony Collette holding a minigun and just like blasting away, which, you know, I may watch this movie just to see Tony Collette and a minigun. This movie was directed by Michael Apted, who's been around for a while and has done a whole bunch of different movies. He's done movies like The Chronicles of Narnia, Enough, The World is Not Enough. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that. Chasing Mavericks and Gorillas in the Mist. Yes, those are all very different movies. Is he a jack of all trades and master of none? Yes. Yes, it looks like he is. This movie looks like it has all the cheese of a 90s Bond film, but without the theater draw. This movie may be worth a watch, but down the line. Not right now. Not this week. This looks fun, and if you see this, you're going to watch a solid action flick. Will you like it? Sure. Why not? Will you like it enough to warrant seeing it in theaters? No. Not at all. Unlocked gets a 5.5 out of 11. Well, my friends, we have two movies left, and it is time for this week's re-release. Last week, of course, we had Terminator 2. 
which I know the guys at the Watch Your Mouth podcast had a big old boner for. This time, the movie being re-released is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This is the classic Steven Spielberg movie starring Richard Dreyfuss about, and let, you know, let me just straight up quote IMDb here for the plot. You all should know the plot, but I am going to be a lazy ass and just read it right here. After an encounter with UFOs, a line worker feels undeniably drawn to an isolated area in the wilderness where something spectacular is about to happen. And what was that spectacular thing? One of the most iconic movies. That's what happened. A movie that when you bring up how awesome Steven Spielberg is, you have to mention. This is also the movie that you have to watch at the right age, at least for me, because when I was younger and I saw this, I was actually kind of bored. But then when I rewatched it as an adult, I realized how, how good it was, but there just wasn't enough going on for young me to stay entertained. When I thought of Spielberg, I thought of Jurassic Park. That's what I wanted to see. And let's be honest, that's still what I want to see. But now I appreciate this film. And now is the time for people who have never seen this in theaters to see it in theaters. I've had the benefit of seeing it before on the big screen. And no, I am not that old. I just happened to have a theater in my area that played older movies, and I got to see this one. I got to see a lot of great films when they still did that, and you know, this was one of them. And if you're a fan of this movie, if you're a fan of old Spielberg, check this out. Find this. This is not only one of his greatest movies, this is just one of the greatest movies. And now we have the chance to experience it all over again. Close Encounters of the Third Kind gets an 11 out of 11. And you know what? If the next movie I talk about isn't up your alley, then make this your pick. Because guess what? I only have a pick because I feel like it's something I should do. So this last movie I'm going to talk about is just the most interesting new movie that's coming out. But if the next movie isn't up your alley and you really want to watch a movie in theaters, find Close Encounters. Watch that. Even though there were a ton of movies that came out this week, it was still kind of a slow movie week. Nothing of interest really came out. Sure, I gave some good scores to some movies, to like Temple and Viceroy's House, Dolores, but none of them scream, watch me. I don't have to go out to the theaters to watch any. So what is the movie that made it as my semi-forced pick of the week? Well, that film is called Tulip Fever. An artist falls for a young married woman while he's commissioned to paint her portrait during the tulip mania of 17th century Amsterdam. During the commission, the two fall for each other and f*** like bunnies. This movie stars Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina, Dane DeHaan from A Cure for Wellness, Christoph Waltz from Django, Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover, Judy Dench from Skyfall, Kevin McKidd from Grey's Anatomy, and Matthew Morrison from Glee. This film was directed by Justin Chadwick, who is a director of The Other Bolin Girl, which, you know, is another medieval-feeling fest. And this film is based on a book by Deborah Mogak. I, I don't know how you say this name. It's M-O-G-G-A-C-H. I'm going to say Mogak. That seems right. She's also the woman who wrote The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So you may be wondering, Billiam, why were you so crude when you were talking about the premise? Why mention what a f*** fest this is? It's because it is a gigantic f*** fest. 
this movie, based on the trailer, looks like a Skinamax movie. Somehow got a bigger budget, got really big actors in it, and then got a wide release. You've heard me mention this before, but this is something that I never, when, at least when I was a kid, I never thought I would be saying, is that I'm tired of sex in movies. And not just sex, but unnecessary nudity. The trailer I watched for this movie had quite a few scenes of Dane DeHaan and Alicia Vikander doing it, and I get it. They love each other. They want to make a bunch of babies. Their private parts are drawn together magnetically. I get this. Stop showing me them f***ing and show me some plot. Do you want to see Alicia Vikander's tits? Maybe even Dane DeHaan's dick? Then yeah, sure, maybe this movie is up your alley. And don't anyone give me some it's art bullshit. No. Alright, but enough about all the gratuitous sex in the movie. Let's talk about the premise and it's... It's okay. It isn't entirely unique. I mean, we've we've seen movies like this before. Where it eventually goes, that could be different. But the premise in of, in and of itself about this kind of overbearing husband with this young beautiful wife and this young dude that comes in and f***s everything up for the for the couple and makes a woman fall in love with him, we've seen that. You know what the first thing that comes to mind is when I think of that plot? Water for Elephants. Guess who is in that? Christoph Waltz. Maybe he's being typecast as the ass husband. But I've done a lot of bitching about this movie, and I really don't think it's that bad, but I don't have enough good to say about it. And that shouldn't be the case, especially not for the movie that's going to be my pick. But let's say some good things. Okay, let's say that the acting looks good. This looks like a real beautifully shot movie. Nothing terribly impressive, but just nice set design and nice costumes and all that jazz. The plot leaves a little to be desired. And other than that, it looks okay. But I shouldn't be bitching this much about a movie that's supposed to be my pick of the week. But then again, remember folks, nothing really big came out this week. Nothing really good came out this week, except for the re-release of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and you know that I don't do re-releases as my picks. So if you don't mind a period piece, a period romance, that's going to have lots of gratuitous sex in it, then maybe this movie is for you. But I actually suggest maybe you skip a movie in the theaters this week. So either you're going to see this because you really want to see a movie, either you're going to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind because you've never seen it in theaters and you want to, or you're going to do like I'm going to do and just skip the theater altogether. Tulip Fever gets a 7 out of 11. And that is it for this week's show. You know, last week I said I was going to take a break from the questions of the week. And lo and behold, I got two answers. I'm actually going to talk about those next week because I'm running out of time for this recording. And I want to come up with a new question since I actually got answers this time. So we're still going to wait a week on that. So let's finish up the show. But remember, this episode was a little different, maybe a little more spastic. I was more off the cuff than normal. I tried to be shorter about the movies, just give bare bones in my thoughts. What did you think? Do you prefer the way the show was where it was a little more a little more scripted and I talked more about each movie? Or do you like this? Or maybe somewhere in the middle? So let me know. Give me feedback. How do you reach me? Let's get into the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd Love it if you take some time out of your busy days to go on iTunes and give this podcast a rating. I would love five stars. If you've already done it, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. 
And remember, we're doing this, we're trying to get as many 5-star ratings as we can, so not only can we prove how fancy and awesome we are, but so hopefully we'll jump on like the new and noteworthy section or get more new listeners, keep growing, get bigger, and that is the goal. So on top of five stars, leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. How do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy site or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Untapped, BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth and the Uncork Gamers podcasts. Friends of this podcast, please don't forget to check out Big D Movie Hunter. A friend of mine has his YouTube channel and I'm in talks with him for a new bi-weekly show. Link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners my future friend. Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.